Well, greetings, Liberty. Greetings, visitors. Uh, greeting family members, those who are joining our fellowship throughout the Helderberg Basin. So wonderful that we can gather together in homes and be together. And so wonderful that we can uh, watch and see and listen uh, to the word of God spoken to us. And I trust that it will be encouraging to you. I trust that it will be enlightening and envisioning to you. Um, and so uh, on this Mother's Day, a very warm welcome, particularly to the moms. Um, and really excited to see what God has to share with us today uh, through his powerful, powerful word. And we currently live in an age, do we not, uh, where there is immense uh, sexual confusion uh, trying to, in a world that's just trying to make sense uh, of what is going on in all of this chaos. And the problem we face uh, with all of this redefining that's going on and all this transvaluing, uh, which means uh, evaluating by a new standard or by a new principle, uh, the problem with these things, as we see in Hebrews 11 verse 3, is that by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. And they were prepared by the word of God when he said in Genesis 1 verse 26 to 27, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so the unscalable hurdle which we face is that we never defined humankind in the first place. God defined us. God created us. And He remains the all-defining one, the unchangeable one, the one who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Humanity is a truth set by the immutable, the unchanging I am. Not a notion at the mercy of us, who Matt has coined a bundle of inconsistencies. Um, I love that. People, just a bundle of inconsistencies. We just seem to never make sense one day after the next. Um, and so humanity is the truth set by God, not, not left to uh, the inconsistent ones to determine. The, the fear of offending people uh, has really brought not just an attempt at redefining humankind, but has taken the world into a place of really redefining God in many ways. And our grave error, uh, which the prophet Isaiah brings to our attention in Isaiah 17, is that, for you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. And so being Mother's Day, I want us today to take a look at an aspect of God's nature, which he reveals through this very same prophet, Isaiah, uh, as being the image bearer of God, through that picture that a woman is of the image of God. And so as we process these scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit to speak His truth to us, uh, let us commit ourselves and one another to the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we engage with Your wonderful Word that aims to see us transformed into the image of Jesus, uh, I ask, Lord, uh, that Your Holy Spirit would speak to us wherever we find ourselves gathered, amongst family, amongst friends, hopefully with our mothers. Holy Spirit, that You would open up our eyes to see the truth of the Gospel. That we wouldn't be like ancient Israel, having our eyes closed and our ears closed to your truth. But Lord, that we would see and hear what you have to say to your body today. And as we fellowship, we know that you gather with us, Lord. And so we are expectant. We are full of faith that you're going to speak to us today uh, through your word. And so we entrust ourselves, we entrust one another uh, to you, God. And so would you speak to us by the powerful and present 
name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Isaiah 49, 13 to 16. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult. O earth, break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his suffering ones. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. And so while God is talking specific, specifically to a people Israel at a specific point in time, any time that we read about the nature or the character of God, because He is the unchanging one, because He is the unaltered, forever immutable, unchanging I Am, whatever we learn about Him in the Old Testament, we can apply today, for He never changes. And while much of creation has daily altering and changing, God is unchanged by the hands of time. And so what we see here in the scripture from Isaiah is that deeper fellowship with God comes through joyful remembrance of what He's done for you and for me. Deeper fellowship with God comes through joyful remembering of who God is and what He has done. Joyful remembering. Isaiah writes, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted His people and will have compassion on His suffering ones. The people of God ought to be a celebratory people, yes? We ought to be a joyful people that if we don't sing, the mountains and the stones would sing alongside us. We're supposed to be a worshipping people, a singing people, even if your voice is anything like mine. Nonetheless, the singing of our voices proclaims that we're a joyful people who know and trust in our God. We should even be a feasting people, a people who are constantly celebrating and joyful. There's an air of joy and exulting there should be amongst the people of God. An air of exulting that exudes and comes out of us as a people toward our God. Many people of God look like, as Peter Howard Brown used to put it, like they've been baptized in lemon juice. Always this frown and just this sour look, uh, this permanent furrow on their brow, uh, just cynical and self-righteous. And that's that we ought not to be like that, brothers and sisters. We ought to be a joyful people, remembering the mighty works of our God. It's just so opposite. That kind of a Christian to what Isaiah is talking about. One that declares the joy that is found in God. And we ought to be those people. Our cause for celebration, as Isaiah puts it, is God's motherly comforting. God's motherly compassion. Which for some of us may be hard to understand. But even in the midst of suffering, as he talks to Israel here, his comfort and his compassion for them. But the beautiful thing about this portion of Scripture is that it talks about both the past tense and the present and future tense. It talks about has comforted and will have compassion. It's a present continuous. But God has comforted his people and will continue to have compassion for them. Again, reminding Israel of his unchanging nature. How at creation he loved and formed them. 
and took care of them and comforted them. And we'll continue to do that throughout our existence. Firstly, God wants to do it, but secondly, God can. He has the ability, He has the strong right hand to be their comfort and to be compassionate. Yet Israel are a suffering people, yes, at this time with real afflictions. And it seems to them like God has just abandoned them. They're trying to be joyful, but, but God, you've abandoned us. What's happening? And perhaps you find yourself in a really sweet place with the Lord. And, and perhaps verse 13 really resonates loudly with you, yes? Shouting for joy, and you just sometimes feel like the mountains are coming to sing joyfully alongside you. I want to encourage you to try to stay in that place. Stay close to the Lord. Enjoy Him. Share that joy with others. Tell others about Him. Remember last week we spoke about that fellowship, or the week before, talk about that fellowship, fellowship that we have with one another. Because our fellowship is with the Lord, as John is saying, we then get to have fellowship with others, and they get to have fellowship with God. It's this beautiful entering into the fullness of joy. Remember John saying, so that our joy may be complete. And so if you find yourself in that place where it's just doing well with the Lord, share that with others, man. Invite them into your space. Share that joy. Perhaps you currently find yourself uh, that maybe uh, you find yourself that when worship is rocking and rolling in your ears and you're just listening to worship music, that, that you find that joy in the Lord. But the moment that music fades from your ears, you actually realize that the song of your heart is really more like verse 14, which is that the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Once the buzz of the music is worn off, perhaps that's where you find yourself. Is that you? Will that be you tomorrow? Perhaps God is more like a creator God to you. Yes, you understand Him as Lord. Yes, you understand Him as King. Uh, You understand Him as Savior, the all-knowing, the all-powerful one. But actually you feel like He's a God in heaven who's distant from you. He's just kind of left you to life or catch you at the end. Perhaps that's you. You feel like, God, where are you? feel completely abandoned. Have you forgotten me? Is that the cry of your heart at the moment? We all go through those spaces. We all find ourselves at some stage saying, God, have you forgotten me? Have you forsaken me? And when we do, the prophet's voice, Isaiah, is so important for us to hear in our ears and to echo down into the chambers of our hearts. For him to remind us, hey, he says to the people, the reason for this is for you have forgotten the God of your salvation, and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. He's talking about remembering God, all the good that He's done from the beginning of time, even before. And saying when we get into these spaces, it's because we're forgetting that God is unchanging. He's still as good as He always has been. But we are the ones who change. But His, his, his impression on, to us here is to say, come on, you've forgotten God. The one who saved you, the one who's your refuge, the one who's your rock. And so, to help us, God jogs our memories by posing a question to us. And that question is, can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? What do you mean I've forgotten you? Is that even possible? God is asking. So he brings it down into human terms. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? 
Now, other than a mother facing psychotic tendencies, the, the truth is that women cannot forget their children. They can't forget their nursing children and cease to show them compassion. It's just not who they are. Men have been known to occasionally forget their two-year-old at childcare. It happens on occasion. And then halfway, on their half, when they're halfway home, they get a call from the carers and to say, hey, any chance you think you could maybe come and collect your child so that everyone else here can go home? Does that ever happen to anyone? That may or may not have happened. The story may or may not be true. It may or may not have happened in the Haldeberg. It may or may not have happened in this house. It may or may not have happened by the very person speaking. It may or may not have happened. A two-year-old is one thing, yes? But a brand new, squidgy, helpless, completely dependent little worm that is nursing on a mother. A mother will never forget. A mother will never forget. Women in general will gravitate toward a newborn. Yeah, have you seen that? You're at a party, all the women disappear. What's happened? There's a good chance there's a newborn that's entered the room. Yes, it doesn't even belong to them. But there's something in women that gravitates towards newborn babies. They just can't resist. Instance instantly takes over. And they find themselves gravitating. Something inside of them is like, everything else in the world can stop right now. I have a focus here, and I'm putting all my attention on this newborn baby. And that's not even the mothers, it's just women in general. The very first time, moms, that someone asks you to hold that little baby that you've labored over for nine months and have carried, you've listened to their heartbeats at every scan. Yes, you've prayed for them, you've spoken to them. They just have fooled your imagination over the last nine months. Had your tummy pushed in 50 directions and you prodding the baby, excuse me, can you get off my bladder? After hours of intense and exhausting labor, you held that tiny, helpless little form in your arms. And even though the umbilical cord was cut, some kind of a, an eternal bond was formed, yes, between you and that child. It's just a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful thing to see. And I've had the great privilege of seeing it and nearly passing out six times. That's my issue. But something has happened. There's this bond that is formed. And then some selfish, heartless family member comes in and says, Hey, can I hold that baby? I mean, what is this? What is this? Who do they think they are? Have they even washed their hands? Wet wipes, people. Wet wipes. Hand them around, please. It's just that this thing is just so treasured by you. It's so dear to you. It's so valued to you. And here someone else is wanting a part in this treasure. You wanted to say, well, to go hold one of those babies over there. I want to see those other people. Just hold one of their babies. And once you've had some practice, then we can talk about maybe whether you can hold my baby. If someone comes in with perfume and the mom's like, ooh, that smells lovely, but don't think you're holding my baby with that perfume on you. No. Just this protection kicks in. This mom wants the very best for this little helpless being. It's the way God has wired you, moms. And it's a beautiful thing as it shows us an image and a picture, a reflection of who God is and the nature that He has. 
Just let that baby start crying in your arms, yes? Unfriend from Facebook, mom will unfriend you straight away. Just don't let that happen. Moms will go to any length to protect that little baby. How much more God? How much more God? I read a story of a family, and I want to just read it now. It was in their backyard down in the Everglades in Florida. While they were out playing and doing what families do, an alligator came up out of the bush and grabbed their small child and began to run back into the bush towards the water. The father and mother saw what was happening. The father, being a typical male, quickly looked for something that he might grab as a weapon to go and attack the alligator. The mother, however, looking for nothing, she immediately went into a sprint, leaped on the alligator and began to bite it, hit it, kick it and scream at it. Finally, bruised and battered, the alligator slithered off back into the safety of the water. The mother stood up, realized what she had done after she'd pried the child out of the alligator's mouth and she immediately passed out there in the backyard because she suddenly realized what had happened. Why did she do this? Because being a woman, she began with her heart and not her head. She began with her heart. The heart that she has for the child that says, I don't care what lies there. I'm going in for saving. Dad, we need a weapon. Looking around. But mom, the heart that drives her toward comfort, that drives her toward compassion. As children grow up, they quickly realize that mom is the place to go for comfort. That mom is the place to go when they need compassion. Dads are comforting and dads are compassionate, but mom is chief, yes. Before they truly grasp God, mom is the all-knowing one. They come to mom with every question, a new bug they found in the garden. Mom, what is this? I need new clothes. My clothes are dirty. Mom, my clothes are dirty. They're hungry. Mom, yes. Mom, mom, mom. From family relationships to understanding the great theories of the universe, mom has all the answers. Anything lost? Mom. Want to play with the kid next door? Mom. They do seek dad out though for the answer to the ever-puzzling question. Dad, where's mom? That's pretty much the only question dads get asked is where's mom? But mom's, she's the compassionate one. Mom is the one who brings comfort, answers all the questions. She gets the kids. She gets where they're at. And kids are very quick to recognize that and realize just the heart that mom has for them. When they come complaining with a sore tooth, yes, what does dad do? Yeah, I told you not to eat those sweets, eh? Yeah, let them learn the lesson while the sting's still there. Dad's telling you it works every time. No, it doesn't. What do moms do? They get down on, their, on the same height as the kid and start off with a hug. I mean, come on! It's a prime opportunity to teach a lesson, but no, we want to hug them. So mom gives the kid a hug. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, show me where it's sore. Mom prods her finger in the mouth and finds out where it's sore. Uh, she then books an appointment for the kid to see the dentist and she'll forego her rare hairdresser appointment just so she can afford to get the kid uh, his tooth looked at. That's what moms do. That's what moms do. They're never forgetting. Always compassionate. Always comforting. Moms are made in God's image. If the world was made up of only men, it would be a card, it would be a hard, and a card, it would be a hard, cold, smelly world. That's what it would be if there were only men. A lot of testosterone-driven war, there would be fighting everywhere, pretty, pretty sure of that. But God made moms, never forgetting, 
always compassionate, always comforting, always present for the kids. They're a picture, an ever-present picture and a reminder for you and me of the comfort and compassion of God. When you see your mom, when you see any mom, do you see that? I hope that after this, for at least the next week, maybe the next month, maybe the rest of your life, when you see a mom, your thought would immediately go, this is an image of God. Comforting, compassionate, always caring. Mom, beautiful image of God. Isaiah writes, yet even these moms, even they may forget, yet I will not forget you, says God. See, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. These overprotective, hawk-eyed, laser-visioned, crocodile-wrestling, question-answering creatures called mothers, God says even they will forget. Even they will forget, yet I will not forget you. Even the most overprotective, Hawkeye, laser-focused, crocodile-resting, question-answering creature doesn't come close to fully displaying the kind of compassion, comfort, and love that God has for us. Does that not lift your faith and lift your eyes and lift your countenance to understand the joy set before us? Found in the presence of God. Moms are a foggy and a a misty representation of the full picture of this ever-present, ever-listening, ever-willing to comfort and to hear and to talk and to be with us, God. May you experience that of God today. May every one of you experience that mother heart of God, of compassion and comfort for us. God is more attentive than a first-time mom. Yes, there's moms who pack their boots full of stuff that they think they're going to need for a little baby. God is more attentive than them. Even these may forget, says God, yet I will never forget you. See, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. God is saying, I can't look at my hands Without beholding you. In all that I put my hands to, there you are ever before me. God cannot forget us as much as he cannot forget himself. He's bound up our very existence and our purpose with himself. When he thinks about himself, he thinks about you. Oh Lord, take us and dash us for ever thinking that you have left us forsaken us. The nail marks that declared to the entire creation, I love you. Every time he peers down at his hands, them, he says to himself, them. Jesus doesn't need a reminder, but we do. He was willing to permanently scar his hands so that we would have an ever-present reminder of his nurturing sacrificing care and love for us. While those marks are on the hands of God 
and we will see one day for all of eternity. The interim picture that we have of that love and compassion and care of God is found in mothers, the image bearers of God. And so as a church, Liberty Family Church wants to take two minutes to honor our physical and our spiritual mothers. We honor you as an ever-present reminder of the love, comfort, and compassion of God, our rock, and our salvation. And so just after this short clip, why don't you take a few minutes. If you're with your mom, why don't you lay hands on her and pray for her and appreciate God. Thank Him for the image that she is of Him. None of us are perfect images of God, yet every mom is a God-given image representation of who He is. So if your mom is with you, get everyone around to lay hands on her. If your mom is not with you, the people who are with you, just pray for your mom anyway. Pray for all the moms that are represented by everyone who's meeting in homes. Uh, Let's have this moment and take this moment to remember God through the gifts that He's given us in this image bearer of mothers. Remember God. Take Isaiah's uh, encouragement toward us and don't forget Him. Remember God. Look at these images and remember God. Moms, I want to thank you for the great gift that you are to us both physical and spiritual moms. Thank you all for the wonderful gift you are in reminding us of Jesus. I pray that the rest of your day will be greatly blessed.